Oh, I got a live one here. Day. <laughs> right? That's still a thing. I remember going to Catholic school and the day after Halloween was All Saints Day, which was like... Well, yeah, today is the definitely best. the more important of the two days that we have to, you know, celebrate with a separate holiday outside yeah. of it. I so always liked All Saints Day in, in Catholic school because it always meant no matter when Halloween was, <laughs> the next day I had off so I could stay up oh. all night watching horror movies. What's up to all our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? You're listening to the Spoiler Alert Gutter Talk live stream comic review podcast youtube ex- extravaganza we are the, our one viewer disappeared <laughs> <laughs> nailed it i'm your host for. johnny yeah. destructo with me this week is newly wedded noel bartocci noel tell the people something hi i just got married like two days Did ago it. yeah i officiated the wedding more importantly yes, you did. i well i like i i, I well you know what Let's talk about it for the next 20 to 45 minutes. So also the day with me this cold. week is early, early or at the normal time voting enthusiast, Brian Lieb. B, tell the people something. Uh, hey, I am, uh, I am here. I support voting, especially for somebody good. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, hey, people should get out and do that. <laughs> Way to throw yourself out there. Yeah. <laughs> and jo- joining us again... Oh, Joe Biden, really. Is the, <laughs> the uneasily prepared for a non-peaceful transition, Pink Apocalypse. Pink, tell the people something. Uh, yeah, I'm... Uh, 127,000 votes are now attempting to be thrown out in Texas, so we'll see. Yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although we're at least at this point unsuccessful, and then there's like another attempt. Randy says, "Congratulations, Noel." Thank you. I'm st- like I, st- I I normally gesticulate with my left hand, uh, just in general, and now I keep seeing this shiny thing, and I just want, <laughs> like I'm not used to it at all. Like I'll look at pictures, and it'll be like, "It's a ring." <laughs> what a what it's a weird. lovely note from Randy Green, our son, the voice of reason. And then we also have Christopher Goodnight saying, thought you were taking this week off. Well, if you want, you could tune out and then watch this double with next week's. <laughs> we were planning to, but yeah. uh, things But we were like, there's too many books to discuss. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. There was an old poem. What is that? Um, Shel Silverstein. There's too many kids in this tub. There's too many elbows to scrub. I just washed a behind that I'm sure wasn't mine. There's too many kids in this tub. Um, I have a Shel Silverstein book uh, on my bookshelf right now. I, I think every ch- I think every child of the '80s either yeah. currently does or is in storage. Sure. All hardcovers sure. of Shel Silverstein. Of course. Did they even make? I don't think I've ever seen a, a paper of a trade. Uh, no, cover. I think they were all yeah. yeah. So, we're going to get to this week's books in just a second, but first, we've got Correspondence from Homer Sexual. He says, I have bought every issue of Spider-Woman ever released. I was 18 when her original series ended at issue 50, and as a longtime fan, why does Marvel Editorial want to keep changing her iconic costume? Her second one was okay, 
and seemed like a response to her being drawn as having too much ass. But now she has another one, which she says makes her ass look great, is totally skin tight, and just rips off Miles Morales. And what costume is used in most promo art, including the cover to this last issue? Her classic original. So why does she have this whack new costume? I don't know. I remember we had some thoughts on that when it premiered, and even in story, it doesn't make a lot of sense. She was like, I can't do the thing that I am doing as Spider-Woman, so I will put on this other heavily Spider-Woman type costume that is just not my previous costume in a world where costumed heroes change their costumes from time to time. I thought the story reason was that it was just, um, like, she couldn't afford or it was ripped up or it was too superhero-y and she needed to make money. Yeah, I mean, it was, but this one was still, like, it still had, like, red webbing and stuff on it, you know? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's not like when um, there was a bounty on Spider-Man's head, so he created all these alternate egos right. with right. different powers and in different uh, names. There were the what were they called? The Slingers. Yeah, something like uh, that. The four yeah. different. That was a cool. That was a cool storyline. An neat. interesting way yeah. to go. I thought it was. Uh, I don't know how many issues JD hasn't sent me uh, have backed up, but I the impression I was under that she was trying to psychologically distance herself between paid mercenary right. work essentially and yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right so yeah so that's right because I, I only i only get to read that first issue that i really really liked i just i fell behind completely but yeah it was a kind of thing where she didn't really retire the other costume it was just this is work this is heroics kind of a thing you know what it is she has a secret only fans costume oh <laughs> dude don't you <laughs> you know she doesn't want the bosses to know she's got like a separate facebook account <laughs> if that was the case, the then the personas are very. Oh, I love that one. It was like a super yeah. spy one, right? Loved it. Are you talking about the one with the shades and the zip-up leather jacket? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was, that cool. was dope that as hell. Yeah. I love yeah. that costume. Hey, it didn't she, last long she at all. Had something on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and then there's that was from last week, and then there's a new email from Homosexual saying, "So, what do you guys think of the new Flash? I never liked Flash until Joshua Williamson's run." This new one seems to be populated by different people with the same names, especially Iris, who is now kind of bimbo. I liked Dr. Alchemy, but the science is weak, even by comic standards. I'll give it one more issue before I take it off my list. I I haven't finished Joshua Williamson's run, and I have not read a single issue of the new run. Brian, our resident Flash expert, what did you think? Well, (laughs) I thought the same thing that you did, J.J., I am behind on the Flash, and I have not read the new, the new run. What kind of resident Flash expert are you? This guy. It's it's only it's only like one issue into this new writer, though, right? Is like it, it? Is it two issues? Who is I mean, it? Ah, it's a name I've never heard. It's like it's like Andy Schnick or Stick. Or, I I've I've never heard of. I I wasn't a recognizable name to me. Oh. Well, good luck with that, homosexual. I hope the book keeps you around. I, I wasn't a big fan of the Joshua Williamson stuff. so. And if I, uh, you know, if or when I or JD or anybody gets to it, we will let you know. For sure. On this show. <laughs> uh, let's see. That, are, that is our email segment. Now we have the comics block where we will review this week's books. We're going to start with Batman Three Jokers number three. With art by Jason Fabok and words by Jeff Johns, they have this to say about it. The final chapter of the most terrifying and personal Batman mystery 
is here. Still reeling from their last encounter with the three Jokers, Batman, Batgirl, and Red Hood discover the terrible truth about the three Jokers' plot. Will the Cape Crusaders have the strength needed to put an end to the maniacal menace's master plan once and for all, or will it be lights out for good? You won't want to miss the stunning conclusion of Batman 3 Jokers as it completes its trajectory as the ultimate examination of the Joker and his never-ending conflict with the Batman. Uh, I already did a thunder round earlier in the week of this very same issue. I thought this was delightful. I really enjoyed all three issues. I was nervous that they wouldn't be able to wrap up in only three issues. And I thought they did a, a great job. I, this is going to be on my shelf when it comes out as a hardcover. It's going to be right next to The Killing Joke as a direct sequel to The Killing Joke. And um, I really, I thought it was a lot of fun. There were some revelations and um, the, the idea behind the Joker's plot was kind of fun. And... Um, felt very jokerish so yeah what did you guys think brian uh i i liked it a lot i was really into it i felt similarly that it's like it, i wondered how they were going to wrap it all up in in these issues but it seemed i mean it was well paced throughout i was just uh, uh i thought it was really well done the art is <laughs> continues to be phenomenal uh very expressive like there's a couple of uh like jason todd like turns and looks at one time or or barbara gordon has a similarly cool expression um yeah really good and the resolution to what was up like why are there three jokers you know all that stuff i thought it was very satisfying um it doesn't really jive with no, i didn't read it but the whatever thing they hinted at it in the dark side war where batman is on the mobius chair and he's like there's three jokers but how it's like, this is not something that he would find um, difficult to figure out. But that's not the fault of this story. Well, yeah. actually, it does It does jive with oh, okay. it. Okay. I read all that. It oh, okay. so, so on the Mobius chair, it was just, all he asked was, who's the real name of the Joker? Mm -hmm. And then his answer was, that's, that's impossible. Because I assume it gave him three names. And then um, at the end of that, like the coda was that he had, you know, like three files. There are three Jokers. Oh, so it was just identifying that there are three, not who was prime or anything like that. I just gotcha. the, okay. The three. Um, so and we, okay, cool, cool. And we've talked about this. We talked about it the last issue or the first one. I think JD raised the question, are we okay with there having been three Jokers? And I would say definitely this is a cool story. And anytime they want to, they could be like, you know, all of the major... <laughs> Joker's stories will have been the original Joker, the real Joker, if they ever want to do that. The only thing that I that I had a problem with was a little bit at the end. Um, I'm not inherently against finding out who the Joker is, but I kind of prefer it being completely unknown. Oh, and the jo I completely forgot the Joe Chill stuff. That was oh so heartwarming, and I really liked yeah. that. Yeah, that's that's actually what I wanted to talk about uh, this issue. Like. Um... I loved, loved that the master plan was to provide closure for mm -hmm. Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. That was when they say, like, we're going to do something new with the character and blah, blah, blah. You always just kind of roll your eyes because every story has always been told. But the idea that the whole, all of the machinations were to just give Bruce Wayne closure so the Joker can be his, his real nitpick, his greatest scar was really cool to me. Really, really cool. I liked that a lot. I, uh, I really, really love this. Ah. Um, yeah, I, uh, I have to admit something. 
<laughs> I uh, kind of like Star Wars. I just kind of stopped giving a shit about Batman a long time huh. ago. I mean, if it's overload or burnout or what. And when I, to be completely honest, when I started going into this, I'm like, oh god, here we go. Like, what, <laughs> what am I looking at here? But I instantly got sunk in, and I can't stress enough how much I love the artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through these with the decision to deliberately not look at the names before I went in. Mm-hmm. Kind of wanted to go on blind and not color my perception of who did the work. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I can't. I love this art so much. I mm-hmm. by the time I got to the scene where uh, it's like you said earlier about the the subtlety of expressions. I uh, get to that one point where Barbara and he are standing there watching the fire in the distance, and he's like, "Hey, can we talk?" And those two face panel shots, one of her watching and then the other one, just the way they just made some slight changes and made it look like a, the expression of her is like, oh, God, here we go, you know, kind yeah. of thing. I just, I love that. The, the art was, but, but the story overall, yeah, I just, I can't believe it. I actually really loved it. I wanted to read, go back and read before. I wanted to read more of this, you know, this was great. Uh, the, I think my one, the one thing that sort of stuck in my crawl just a little bit was, Jason Todd leaving her a note with tape and then it immediately falls and gets swept away and never to be seen again. I'm never going to bring this up ever again. And it's like, well, it just, you know, it, it really stank of we had three issues. We introduced this thing in three issues and we have completely wrapped it up in three issues and you will never hear about this again. Yeah. It just seemed like ext- it made it even more extraneous since it's not going to be doing anything moving forward. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't. I read that as like perfect. I, I assume something is going to ha- happen from that in the future. Mm. So I, maybe I've seen too many soap operas or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I completely agree. It was kind of like uh, the, the one little like thing that could be picked up by anyone else whenever they want or never again. And it still has its own little almost like dramatic ending. But um, I will say I, I, love, I love the idea too that like the Joker that's left is the one that is responsible for kind of all of the watermark things that modern readers refer to in the Joker. So the comedian is the one that's left the more sadistic character. um, Who's the one that shot Barbara. He's the one that murdered Jason. And he's the one that um, was in uh, Scott Snyder's run. Because they show you in in background panels of all those things. So the one that is responsible for all of the the more... um, terrible things that in modern comics so like the criminal is the the original uh you know um like what the was the inspiration era. yeah like the the 40s oh uh, the man who laughs i think yes was, uh, yeah. the man who laughs one the the clown is the one with the stupid henchmen mm-hmm. and the the large objects and then this <laughs> comedian the sadistic one is the one that we're you know the alan moore joker is the one that we're left with in continuity or at least in the continuity of this book and then it's revealed that it's almost it it's meant to be that way. It's always direct continuation of that, which I thought was really, really it's you know what? This book is classy. It's just really classy. Yeah. And I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a cogently and succinctly told story that has like a lot of really yeah. like high emotional points. Um the scene with Bruce Wayne and Joe Chill at the end, I really liked like i never expected that to be in a batman comic it never occurred to me that it ought to be but um i liked his like regretfulness and he was like once i found out who they were this is why i hated them once i found out who they were i realized they were good and i felt really bad um yeah 
it was uh, it was really cool, interesting. Page uh, page twenty eight, those bottom three panels that made my stomach drop out. The way they drew that, him showing up with the camera on his neck, and then shot to Varvara, and then back to him. I'm like, oh god. And I know it's not classy of me, but it added a very visceral satisfaction later when she smashes that camera mm. to his face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I just yeah. love this book. This is a great book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I was just thought uh, to go back to Joe Chill again. It was sort of in a meta commentary. Sometimes people try to make it that the Joker is Joe Chill, and yeah. it doesn't really stick. Yeah. I thought that that was yeah. interesting. That it was like the attempt here, oh, but it didn't. There work. was, there was. Are we, are we full spoiling this? Yeah, sure. There was one. There's one like weird time frame continuity nitpick that somebody brought up online about how. Um, so the the Dakota, the somewhere in Alaska part where yeah. it's revealed that Joker or that, that Batman does know who the Joker, what the Joker's real name is. Then they reveal that it is. It's it's actually it is a direct continuation of the Killing Joke, and that comedian is mm. that you know that spurned comedian who thought his wife was was killed and or died and blah blah blah. Um, that Batman actually uh, she went to the police, and Bruce Wayne helped, or she went to the police, and then she was put in protective custody, and then Bruce Wayne helped, I guess, or knew where she was in protective custody, so he went and visited them, so he knows that the Joker's real family is still alive. Um, somebody had mentioned, I think it was on one of JD's Facebook posts, like, why, why is the kid still young if Barbara and Jason are like adults now and this happened forever ago? Why is that kid still a kid? Um, and the only thing I could think of was what, this is not a real time flash. This is not a real time happening now. This is a flashback of when he found out the truth, tracked down the family. Okay, we're done. Oh, all right. Yeah, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's how I interpreted it too. I thought it was me a too. That that was just a frozen moment in time of when he went and confirmed that they were alive visually himself. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah, when he found out the answer, however many years ago, when he he went and tracked them down and verified and whatnot, and then I, yeah. I presume in the in the in the intervening years, he has done and thrown money at the idea of keeping them, yeah, mm. off the grid and or mm. protected. And uh, Brandon. Um, Friend of the show, Brandon, was here uh, at the shop. We were discussing it. And the other thing he had a problem with is, like, why would they why would they put her in protective custody, this random woman who's, you know, originally, right? When they show you at the top of the page here, the, the cops in black and white, um, oh, he's abusive. And so they take her away and she's able to raise her kid elsewhere. Why would they do that? It's just some random comedian guy who beat her. Um, and I said, I don't think... I'm, it's not necessarily that she's in protective custody. It may have been like they just helped her get away and we're going to tell your husband you're dead. And then once the Joker thing happens and she sort of maybe figures out that that's him, she she moves even further away. Like she just moves to like Alaska or wherever. Mm-hmm. Well, also, yeah. I think they said they were like a couple of us rate, got some money together. Like that doesn't sound like an official thing. That sounds right. like the police are like. Yeah, I was gonna around. say yeah. it sounded like it sounds like a, a '60s, '70s kind of. You know, yeah. it's very difficult to imagine the world before high speed internet and technology. Mm. The, it's the, the idea of like a '60s, '70s kind of group of people that are just like, "We'll make you disappear. It'll be fine." You know, like mm-hmm. bodies disappeared all the time. People went missing, and that's that because you couldn't track them via. Mm. thousands of other things so I, I presumed it was just something like that where it's like we don't talk about it she just she went away um our lunar says congratulations Noel. thank you on uh youtube 
Thank you so much. Uh, let's see. We're going to move on. Dark Knight's Death Metal, Rise of the New God, number one, written by James Tinney and the Fourth and Brian Hill, with art by Jesus Marino and Nick Varelli. Batman always wins. This irrevocable truth resonates to the very heart of Perpetua's battle with the Batman who laughs, and when her ally reveals his absolute nature, she will upend, upend this mantra and destroy the last planet, his planet. But what's not? But that's not enough. And the mother of all creation must wonder if power lies in destruction. Why would she ever stop? But that's the thing about truth. When it turns to fact, there's no disputing its godlike reverence, and so enters the darkest night, featuring a backup story that spins out of the cliffhanger from Dark Knight's Death Metal Multiverse's end number one. Boy, that was a that was a lot of a lot of description. Mm. I haven't read it, Noel. So uh, this is a. This is like a weird catch-up source book with a thin story. Uh, they It takes up right after the Darkest Knight gets all the power from the Mobius chair. And he's big enough and crazy enough to be able to take on Perpetua in fisticuffs now. So the background of the comic is that these two galactic-sized entities are throwing planets at each other and fighting while this... Thing that we've never met before that looks exactly like the cosmic ghostwriter <laughs> calls himself the chronicler essentially he's the monitor or the watcher from the multiverse and comes in and tries to just get all the information before this plane of existence destroys itself. well so, from the omniverse from, oh sorry from the omniverse i apologize yeah yeah because you got to keep going bigger um <laughs> um he finds a brainiac takes all the information, still needs more information, finds the psycho pirate, takes in all the information, still needs more information. So it's essentially him going from, you know, information source to information source within this plane of existence in order to chronicle all of the DC universe. And towards the end of it, he's just like, this is so rad and so beautiful. How come you guys are destroying yourselves? And, you know, he's maybe mildly convinced to intervene. That's pretty much it. Well, I thought it was yeah. awesome. I thought I mean, it was it great. wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't poorly was done. Terrible. It was. <laughs> it was. I think it was. I'm in between you two. Okay. I think. I think the point of it was terrible. I think the execution was fine. Hmm. It it really was. If this was like a source book, or I'm being caught up, or look at all these things in the Marvel universe, you know, like they'll. Hmm. It's essentially just a last time on sixty years of continuity, and they create a stupid plot device to, to yeah. stream between them. Yeah, it was yeah. competently done. Art was fine. James Tinian did a fine job. It was okay. But did I need to read this? No. Huh. Not right. at all. Oh, we have also complained. Wondering... Oh, sorry. I'm Go sorry. Ahead, Christopher dude. Goodnight said, oh, look, it's uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider. And I was like, what is he talking about? But oh. there he is. There he is. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. the Cosmic Ghost Rider. He's very similar. He's the chronicler. The uh. design doesn't necessarily, it doesn't fit the idea of the, but what do I know what chroniclers look like? You know. Uh, <laughs> But uh, what was it? So we have also complained that tie-in issues are too much of the plot. You know what I mean? Um, so I thought this was great as a like it's a tie-in. You don't you don't have to read it really. Um, and I liked the commentary that it had on DC. I love a good tour of multiversal history. You know that kind of thing. Um, hitting all the major spots, real docks and psycho pirate, and Metron comes back, which is great. I didn't realize oh, that he was right. gone, but that's, that's right. great. 
He yeah. died at the end of the Dark Side War. Ah, right, right, right. Okay, so awesome. And uh, I like the whole like where he's like, you know, I'm really removed, but I've been kind of convinced to inter- intervene sometimes, and that this guy is like, yeah, you know, I see what I see what you mean. This is interesting stuff. I don't think he'll be a a big player or anything like that. I think it was just a, mostly a framing device, you know. Yeah, that's that's just it. It was just a yeah. framing device. I, if I was if I was if I was eleven, mm-hmm. and I didn't know everything, hmm. this would be <laughs> rad. Okay, there you go. That that hits it right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it's fine. I, I did not like that. So the the page that JD is showing, it's it's uh, essentially Perpetua and the Darkest Night in combat, and they're literally throwing planets and asteroids at each other because they're so big and massive and crazy. I thought that was pretty silly. I know it's like a metaphoric yeah. depiction, but it was just it was pretty silly. I, I well, didn't I, like it. So I the art was fine. Um, um, it was coherent. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All these high bars are going. Up. So, <laughs> so the thing that the the funny thing is, is it, it's almost started to it almost started to halfway win me back by the end, especially with stuff like uh, page, what is it, page thirteen. I'm like, oh, you know, started to win me back there, but it stumbled really bad for me right out of the gate, page after page, with the, the writing and the dialogue was just so odd and clunky to me it just it did not resonate with the epic millennial entity conflict like they're trying to convey like you get to page page six and he's like i'm never gonna play second fiddle to you and the idea of a cosmic entity saying that just was just so bizarre to me and i just i don't know just i mean pink pink by virtue of this entire issue the fact that it's not in like the main story they can't have those conversations, so it's always going to feel slight. Like, they can't do that because it's supposed to be on the side, right? Right. So you're already starting from, you know, from in the red. It's never going to kind of have that gravitas because it's always ancillary reading. Yeah, it feels like like apocalyptic cotton candy. I don't know. It's hard to describe. (laughs) That's great! (laughs) Um, I have a question for you guys. This is the backup story. Did, uh, did you guys read the backup story also? I did. Yeah. I did I did not um, read the backup story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the backup story was um, just candy. sort of, again, again, <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, at the end, are they giving them all Green Lantern rings? Do you think, uh, is that like, what's up it next? It seems that way. So, like, yeah. they're, using, they're, using the, they're using Will to protect the ship to punch through the omnivore or like the bleed to get, you know, mm-hmm. back into normal space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, the idea of giving them all green lantern rings, I didn't understand because I didn't think that's how it worked, but whatever. No. Uh, it can though. It doesn't usually, but there well, are circumstances where they, how, Oh wait, how is able to make his own rings with his own will. But that, I mean, I don't know. Oh, what yeah. are we doing? Like 40 of them? Yeah. You know, think think a, real hard, big guy. Seems like a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they have been able to duplicate them or, like, deputize people with, like, they're not full Green Lantern rings, but they're, like, you, I guess if you're in proximity or something. You know what I liked the most about this backup story? <laughs> Any new content with Jessica Cruz, because they never use her and I miss her. <laughs> She's one of my favorite Green Lanterns. <laughs> like, uh, when Rebirth started, they had the Green Lanterns book. I literally kind of, I just pretty much dropped the Hal Jordan book because... I hated the art and didn't like the story. 
Um, but the the Green Lanterns book with Jessica Cruz and Simon Baz was awesome. It was just straight up awesome for like mm. 25 issues, and I loved it, and I miss her since. Well, you know she's going to be uh, featured in the upcoming HBO Green Lanterns show. Yeah. So is everyone but Hal Jordan, which I, I don't know how they're going to make And John Stewart and Kyle Rayner. I don't know. They haven't been mentioned. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It's a conversation for another day. Yeah. So let's move on to Giga number one from Vault Comics, written by Alex Pacnadel, with art and cover by John Lee. Le? L-E is how you spell it. Nobody knows why the skyscraper-sized mechs known as Giga fought their bitter centuries-long war. All they do know is that when the fighting finally stopped, the dormant Giga became humanity's new habitat and new gods in one. When disgraced engineer Evan Calhoun finds an apparently murdered Giga, his society and the fascistic fascistic tech-centered religious order that controls it are rapidly thrown into chaos. Um, I read this this morning while having my cuppa, and I didn't care about it. Uh, I thought that there were some neat ideas. Uh, the, the writer is definitely working with some interesting ideas to build a story around. And I'm having trouble pinpointing what it is about the product, the, the finished product, that just left me cold and kind of bored. I uh, wasn't in incredibly engaged. Uh, I thought when we found out that he's got a friend who is also AI that is crumbling and and sort of like falling apart that was the only time that I was kind of like emotionally invested so those two characters I'm kind of interested in but the rest of it I was just like oh that's neat and then just didn't really care about it what did you think Pink you didn't read it what did you think Brian uh, I did not care any more than you did I may have been a little I mean, I was biased going into it because I don't think mechs have a lot of oomph behind them as stories go. You know, like, I am just not interested in... I mean, I love Voltron, but uh, and when they kind of... They seem to stray into, like, a mystical realm a lot and from the outside looking in and I'm like, eh, they're just giant... They're just giant robots, right? Like, are they... <laughs> I mean, I guess these are sentient beings that are just mechanical. They're more like Transformers, but... I would think more like Celestials. That's what I was thinking. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess these do seem more like Celestials. It's true. Um, it, but uh, I, I think also the it, it has a, a similar issues that we found in a lot of issue one new fantasy world stories that we were reading for a while a little back. There's a lot thrown at you about this world. And I is not a lot that got me invested into what is the case with it. Although similarly, when that ro robot came by, you know, the Android, um, I think that was the highlight. I, I'm most interested in that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with either of you guys. There was something like the very, it, it don't, Laurel is the robot you guys are referring to. And she was introduced up almost exactly halfway through the story or the, this issue. That first, that first 11 pages were, they were, they were rough. It was it was a, a very meaty dose of just info dump. Mm -hmm. None of it was bad. It was just it was very front loaded. And then and there was nobody that we like there was one main character and then a bunch that died and you're supposed to care because you don't know anything about any of these people. And then we have like the the world of the book with this this Laurel character who's awesome. She's she's essentially sweating dynamite. 
like she's a stick yeah. of dynamite that's sweating because like corrosion is coming off. Like yeah. she's great and I love it. Mm-hmm. But um, that's not gonna end well. It was very yeah. It was very difficult to um. It was it it took a bit too long to get a foothold in this world. Uh, but on the other side of it, I did enjoy it. Yeah. Um, this is not unlike, and I'm not comparing these books, <laughs> but this is not unlike the feeling I had with the first issue of um. Uh, jo- oh my God! Why am I blanking? Uh, the Green Lantern book, Far, New Far Sector. <laughs> the first issue of Far Sector, especially the first ten pages, was so dense, mm. was so difficult to kind of get through, and I didn't fall in love with anybody until like the last three or four pages, mm. and then it made me think like this would have been better as an OGN. This would have been better as an OGN. Why didn't? Why wasn't this double sized? Mm. Because when you start to actually grab onto something, it ends, and that's. In a smaller degree, that's what this felt like. Mm. Like maybe the re- the better end of the story is the second, third, fourth issue, which is hard for monthly comics. Oh, yeah, sure. But uh, but there was a lot of really cool ass ideas in here. Cities yeah. made out of of mechs that just landed. Mm. Uh, yeah, and 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 the idea that they allow us or they allow people to live inside of them because they're essentially their immune system. Their the microbiome idea was pretty cool. Which, yeah. It's awesome. There's yeah. nothing but great ideas in here, and then they set up a really, really good going forward. However, there's just not enough meat on this bone, just as a single issue. Hmm. So, I mean, maybe a couple months from now, I'll eat my words, and this is the best thing on the racks. But right now, it was just like, okay. It was just okay. Uh, by James Tinney and the Fourth and Martin Simmons... Cole Turner has spent most of his life suppressing false memories of satanic ritual abuse at his preschool. Now, he's the newest recruit of the Department of Truth, and he just found out those false memories might be truer than he thinks. Well, shit. That's not good news. <laughs> uh, this book is great. Yeah. I love this book. The first book blew me away. The second book is keeping up the momentum and introducing some stuff that I didn't even anticipate you know i thought it was going to be solely about the department of truth and you know sort of ciphering or you know sorting through all of the different um what are they called conspiracy theories conspiracy theories and the fact that they're introducing this more personal aspect to our main protagonist oh i loved it i thought it was great it was a nice addition to the story it brings a little bit another layer of depth um and I think immediacy to the storyline as opposed to just sorting through conspiracy theories and this is real and this isn't. Um, I thought it was really, really good. And um, my other question about it, though, is what if, yeah, do they start, they sort of like, they poke a hole a little bit into what about conspiracy theories about the same subject, right? You've got warring conspiracy theories about a certain character and certain sects of the, the, the populace believe this happened to that real person. And then there's another subsect of people who are like, no, this conspiracy theory about that person. And I, I wonder how that sort of sorts itself out in this reality where the majority or the, the more people believe a conspiracy theory, the more true it becomes. And I just thought that was kind of interesting. I'm hoping they're going to look into that a little further as well. Isn't it? It wasn't it. The, the power of it all is really in the cohesion of, of belief. Mm-hmm. So the, the the prime example that they gave was Flat Earth. Like, there are factions of Flat Earth where some think it's a biome, some think it's a this, some think it's that. But 
in recent times it's coalesced into like one main belief and that's the one that kind of became true so with the example given in this book with satanic panic it was the the cloud of it kind of creating something as opposed to everyone believing one thing which i thought was pretty interesting it's not we don't know the rules yet but they keep kind of hinting at cool things including what i thought might what i thought was the twist of the first issue with with the the you know the boss Lee, mm-hmm. they almost hint at it in this issue. They're like, if that's is this the one that did this or is this the one that did that? Which one's the truth? I did think you guys also, catch that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I I think that's part of it too. Is that in this world, the conspiracy theories are just lesser believed things than what everybody believes. Like the truth is determined by belief. So there are always warring beliefs that, you know, so there are a few about the, the leader of the department of truth, but there's also like, there's a pocket of reality where an ice wall exists, but for most of the people in the world that wouldn't exist. Uh, I think. Yeah. Pink, did you read the two issues? I, I, well, I read this issue. Um, I liked it. Um, I made myself laugh because I got to page 17 uh, that top panel, the moment I saw the top panel, like, visually, and then started reading, I was like, oh, it's Rush Limbaugh. And then when I started reading further down, I'm like, oh, my God, it is Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought it was Alex Jones. Uh, or Alex. It's, yeah, Alex. It's Alex Limbaugh. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean... I want to make a joke there, but I won't about all the same. And But, <laughs> but the, the further in I got, I... I liked it. I just I was having a little bit of trouble processing. Okay, what is what is dream versus what is reality? Right from the beginning of the book going forward, what is dream and what is reality? And then as the book is going on, I'm like, oh, okay, um, there's really no border between the two. It depends on you know belief and everything, and reality's kind of ethereally come into existence and fade out and change. And okay, I get it, which is cool. But then mm-hmm. the further I got, the more I started to think, well well, what is definitively real, like this department? When we got to the part with all the red lines, the photographs taped everywhere on the floor and the walls, mm-hmm. I got kind of shaky on the ground. They're like, I mean, it's a cool idea, but I'm having, I started to have a hard time th- believing, like, is this actually real? Like, is physically the department, this is how oh, uh, he's keeping his records and everything. And mm. Or is this another, like, weird sort of, like, dream version of what's happening i don't know but i think when they're probably, out it, probably just an, an an issue of not having read the first issue so you know well not entirely i mean it, that would probably help but it look we all read the first issue and we don't know the answers to some of those questions either um but i think cole when they're out getting pancakes kind of hits it on the head like he's usually when people are brought into the department of truth they're like so is this one real is that one real and he doesn't, and he says something like, well, I get that it's, like, it's real when people believe it. There is no answer. Right now it might be real. Yeah. Tomorrow it could, something else could be, like, the past changes as well when mm-hmm. these things change. Um, I, yeah. I, w- I would hope that the, uh, I mean, I don't know exactly your guys' age, like, what you may have seen or read or experienced, but I would hope that the mass hysteria, satanic panic of the 80s, I would hope that doesn't fade 
out of everybody's memories because that was a very real serious thing when it went down and just how fast an entire population can just yeah. go neurotic I, over nothing, you know? I, I think that's what the book is... I think that's what this issue is kind of getting at, too. Like, everyone remembers it as a flashpoint, but everyone... no, Very few people still believe it as fact. It was a flashpoint of... Um, you know, the spreading of, of mistruths and manipulation of kids' memories. But there was a brief moment in time in the middle of it that it was believed as fact. And yeah. that created this this star-faced man thing who yeah. they're hinting at is still around. You know, like, so I don't know if that means... What the book hasn't told us yet is I don't know if that means that when some when when enough people believe something it could create something that stays mm. maybe the maybe the event disappears but like you know almost a, a memory or a shadow of it remains mm, yeah or if it has to always be true or not true there's no like we're not told yet if it's a light switch with one side yeah. or the other that, and I which, which that makes I... oh no go, go ahead. ahead go ahead well i was gonna say that makes me believe the thing about lee harvey oswald also maybe mm. this character is not a prime Maybe mm. he's a part of a different memory or something. Because it makes me think of the very first scene of the first issue where they're, you know, interrogating Lee Harvey Oswald. It gives that conversation different context if that's not the original Lee Harvey Oswald, but mm. the believed Lee Harvey Oswald. There's so much cool stuff in this book. Yeah. Including the page you're showing. Uh, so I, I don't know what page this is in the book, but for the listeners, uh, going through the Hall of Records in the Department of Truth... It's paper. It's all murder board with yarn paper, period. Yeah. They don't digitize anything because in today's today's Wikipedia age, everybody can manipulate it and change it and it it shifts with with belief in so the age of social media. Yeah. So they keep they just keep building like these giant murder boards or conspiracy yeah. boards with yarn. And I thought that that was fantastic. But it's giving weird legitimacy to things that we I've always considered crazy, and I'd love that. Is it not possible that these papers also change depending upon the belief of the populace? No, that's why the papers are useful. Uh, According they, to the rules of the book, yeah, no. Yeah. It's just it's printed out, it's there. Well, no, I... I no, because, well, I, mean, I mean, the conceit of this whole thing is if enough people believe a thing, it changes history. It cha it, it changes it from the beginning. It's not like it changes it so it's now now the truth. It changes it so it has always been the truth. So how do these papers stay the same? No, I think that's what's useful about the papers is that when when they change, these people have some way of noticing that. But Wikipedia oh. might change because of a past, like a, an alteration, or it might change because somebody's like, ha ha ha. Oh, that's yeah. that's right. It would happen if it's if it's papers on a board that go in a in a linear fashion, it would happen Linearly, it would happen to one page before the next, or one page. Like they would be able to see the progression as opposed to instantaneously on the internet. Uh, I, I just, I, I really hope they keep exploring these ideas of manifesting things into reality as far as emergent properties that can develop from people's beliefs mm. and then acting on those beliefs. Like you, you don't like they, they hinge the whole thing on the satanic panic, but you can draw a direct line to now with like QAnon. Which started out as a troll attempt and accidentally became a real thing in people's heads, and now we have yeah. twenty people up for election that believe in it. You know, it's. I, I would hope that they followed the whole mass amounts of people artificially creating a reality. I, mm -hmm. 
I don't know. I want to see where they go with this. That'd be cool. Yeah. I thought I didn't realize that, and I assume that this is factual, but that um, they talk about the some of the things that you were just talking about, the Satanic Panic becoming um, that, like they used to say, it was these people, and now they say it's Democrats, but originally it was the Jews. You know that mm-hmm. kind of thing. That this, and you see those. Um, you see urban it's legends, babies. kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, uh, yeah. And, and it's always something that it's like one of the worst things you can imagine. And you see these like urban legends where people debunk them in, in the way that they debunk them is to say like, oh yeah, there was a similar story a hundred years ago, but the players were changed and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, I just find that interesting. Yeah. The, the theme and conceit of this book is incredibly mushy and sticky. And I, it feels as though the writer and the artist are swerving into it. Hmm. Like, Everything is very murky, and I think that's intentional. I don't know if we're ever going to get hard, fast rules, and I don't know if I need them yet. Right. Like, it's... I'm kind of enjoying how nebulous this this book is. Yeah. I mean, it, that can only last so long. If we're on yeah. issue, like, 75, and it's still like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. well, who knows? Then I'm just gonna... I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably tap out. But right now, um, it's really, really fun. I'm hoping this isn't a J.J. Abrams situation where he's just yeah. making it up as they go and there's no yeah. more than mine. Yeah. You know? yeah. Listen, guys, it's just, a, it's just a plug. It's just a plug in the middle of an island. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like the ending of Lost. Anyway, let's move okay. on to I, but... the next... Well, the whole that that idea, the way the way entire the psychology of an entire culture can change, like Brian was talking about, like you can go back Mm. a certain amount of time and it's like I was paralyzed in my bed and I couldn't move Mm. and people manifest this narrative because witches and Satan and then a hundred years or more later, people are I'm paralyzed in my bed. I couldn't move and people manifest this narrative. Oh, it's gray aliens. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just Mm -hmm. the way it spins out, you know. I mean, now it's just, it's, it's, it's it's just a, a it's a condition. Yeah. Sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend who had that and they were telling me about it and I was like, that sounds horrible. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. uh, Look up sleep paralysis and watch videos on it. It's super spooky. Uh, There's a, there's a great documentary called The Nightmare. Yeah. I stopped watching it. I was too spooked. It's, it's pretty much a horror movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a horror movie, Hmm. but it's real life. It's spooky. Yeah. Hal2814 says, I have a co-worker who's big into conspiracy, so I let him check out the first issue, and he really liked it, especially the last page reveal. Um, cool. Is he, is he into, or are they, are they into conspiracy theories, or do they believe conspiracy theories? I'm curious. Yeah. Is your friend Q? Yeah. <laughs> are we asking? Asking uh, for a friend in the deep state. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Heroes in the Half Shell, The Last Ronin, number one of five by IDW. Written by Tom Walt and Peter Laird. Uh, and then, wait, what about Eastman? Isn't Eastman involved? Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, Tom Waltz. It's the TMNT event of 2020, springing from the minds of TMNT co-creators. Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird comes an epic like you've never seen before unless you've read The Dark Knight Returns. In a future New York City far different than the one we know today, a lone surviving turtle goes on a seemingly hopeless mission to obtain justice for his fallen family and friends. Kinetic layouts from Eastman, inks from Esau and Isaac Escorza, and a thrilling script 
full of surprises from longtime TMNT scribe Tom Waltz, all combine to make this one of the most memorable TMNT stories you will ever read. Oversized in both format and page count, this is a perennial TMNT tale that can't be missed. Guys, you didn't miss it, did you? Did you? Did anyone miss no, it? it? It can't be. Oh, thank God. You Nobody can't. missed it. Oh. It was an imperative to not miss this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, some people missed it because what? the demand for it was so high that a lot of shops got allocated. And oh, they really? did not receive all of the... Um, all of the copies that they requested. I ordered 20. I only got 17. And I know other retailers who only got two. Oh, wow. Uh, so I, I lucked out, actually. But, um, yeah, they've already done a second printing. So if anyone needs one, let me know. I'll order you the second printer. Um, what did you think of this, Noel? You're the TMNT guy recently. Tell us. Um, I thought this was pretty fun. Um, uh, so we, we got to do Thunder Rounds earlier this week, and my, my opinion is pretty much the same. Uh, after thinking about it for an extra couple of days uh, during during the wedding, while I was reciting my vows, I was thinking <laughs> about TMNT, the last Ronin number one, uh, with story with story by Peter Laird, Kevin Eastman, and Tom Waltz. Um, uh, this was this was it was very light. This is very light and easy. There's it's it literally like the the thinnest of plots, uh, and it's just pure action. I, I, I like that about it. <laughs> I, I, no, it, it it. You disagree with the plot or the? Uh, the, that it's, the, 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 the well, go ahead. Go ahead. Go on. I think. So how about this? It's not thin. It's incredibly simple. This is an A to B story that they're starting to tell. Yeah. You've got one uh, turtle left. I love the idea that he's talking with uh, the ghosts or the remnants of the other turtles. We don't know exactly who it is yet. Um, it's hinted at, but. We know who it's not. Um, and he's just on a suicide mission to take down who is now in charge of the foot. This is Dark Knight's, or this is uh, uh, Dark Knight Returns. This is Blade Runner-esque. This is, it's essentially a, uh, a blender filled with all of the futuristic dystopian tropes possible. We throw <laughs> the turtles in. Escape from in. New York. Escape oh, from New York. Like, explicitly. It's got all of it. There's, there's nothing... <laughs> Air quotes original here. However, it's fun. It's yeah. just it's just fun. Yeah. I liked it. Um, I wish. I don't know why this was oversized uh, in 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 shape. Like I don't know why it's it's the aspect ratio is like instead of seven by ten, it's like eight by eleven, which isn't even like oversized hardcover size. It's just a weird shape. Um, the layouts themselves don't really play into the new format. The like, they have this new format and they didn't really do anything with it. So I wasn't sure how jazzed I was about that. But again, it's just fun. I you know what? More than anything else, because this felt very just simple. I don't want to wait three months for the next issue. I hope Is that these months? are banked. I don't know. I just this this itself was late as hell. So and there's five issues. There's it's. I think it's going to be five issues or six issues. I don't want to wait two years for this series. Like it's not it's not meaty enough yet. So I hope that they took that time and banked as much as possible. Uh, number two will be out December sixteenth. Oh, and then in in regards to because I do currently read TMNT. I started at like issue eighty eight, and now they're on like one eleven. I love it. It's not this. Uh, the current TMNT book is more about. 
I mean, it's cheesy, but it's more about family. It's more about feeling comfortable in your own skin. There's very few fights. It's just a really, really good, like, relationship book and, and family dynamics book, which is odd to say about Turtles. And this is nothing like, you know, the current cartoons. So this is almost explicitly for OG Turtles fans, which there is, is fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not... This is not like... <laughs> This is this is definitely a vanity project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is cool. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. But what did you guys I, think? Well, I also saw that um, they, they, there's a bunch of articles and stuff, or, or like headlines of like the last Ronin is a return to R-rated comic. What? Is, why? Why? This isn't. This is barely PG-13. Also, yeah. there's a lot of other R-rated comics out already. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it was like uh, the headlines were more like. Oh, they're giving the turtles a rated R turn, and like, well, they they were kind of this way. The original miniseries was really dark, right? Yeah, so I guess those articles are just for people who know the cartoon with the catchy song. Um, Pink, what'd you think? Um, yeah, that that that's like uh, it reminds me of that interview, that cringy interview Lucas did when he's like, "Well, I'm the first person to make a movie with an all black cast." It's like, really, Lucas? Are you sure about that? <laughs> Um, Wait, what movie okay. was that? Yeah, what did Red he, Tails. Red Tails. Red Tails. <laughs> super crazy. I get Google that it. reference, Pink. <laughs> okay, so full disclosure, okay? Um, I am usually, I'm a person that is against taking something that formerly wasn't dark and edgy and then making it dark and edgy. Uh, I usually, more often than not, that doesn't end well. Um, in some cases, it can end disastrously. Um, but I will not go off on a fake new Trek rant right now. <laughs> um, uh, I read all the original TMNT comics when I was a kid, the original black and whites, yeah. and loved them. Yeah. And then when the cartoon came out, uh, my teenage brain was like, this is fucking kiddie and stupid. And I immediately checked out <laughs> and never touched it since. I understand that in the public consciousness, the cartoon is our, you know, the TMNT but for me, it was always the original black and whites that I never went back to. So when I started reading this, I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And as I went along into it and started killing the, the I don't know, I don't want to call them cyborgs. But when there was that reveal hmm. and you started killing them, I'm like, oh, shit, this is, wow, this is feeling like the original, the OG, yeah. you know, TMNT. And the more I got along, the more I got into it. And when he hit those final panels, when he's about to commit seppuku... Mm. Spoilers, sorry. Yeah. No, that I'm was like, rad. holy shit, this is getting dark. When he laid the mm. weapons out and then they're I was I was I was all in at that point. Like, what the hell is gonna happen? You know, and then when it went past that, I I guess I won't spoil it. I, I just I started out from like, I don't care, this is gonna be stupid, and ended mm. with this was a this was unexpectedly amazing, you know. No, but no. it just like JD said, it's a it's it's one vanity appeal to OG hipster fans, I guess. I don't know. So Yeah. <laughs> I uh, so Brandon Brandon mentioned it said it on the last page. I just read the last page three times. It's not explicitly said who this is. Is it? It not? says who it's not. Wait, what? Yeah. Wait. I agree. He's right. I agree. Yeah. Wait, I thought it said what? that it was that one. All right, we're gonna spoil. Listen, hold on a second. We're gonna we're gonna discuss we're gonna discuss the last page of this book. Spoiler alert. What he's saying is it's a process of elimination. I think is what he's saying. Yeah. It, it's yeah. not Michelangelo. Yeah. It's not yeah. who are you talking to, Michelangelo? It's who are you, who are you talking, talking to? to? Michelangelo? Michelangelo? 
there's a there's a question there's a comma and a question mark. Hmm. It's not a reveal. However, I don't know if the back cover of the book, if you had it physical, is an R. I don't know if that's supposed to be for Ronan or if it's supposed to be for Raphael. I think it was for Ronan. Hmm. Regardless, I think it could we don't. Yeah, could go either. Regardless, way. <laughs> yeah. So many people are telling me it's Michelangelo. Like, read. No, it's uh, see, not. I, I mean, we are reading, but. Well, no, no. I mean, like the the context of the conversation and the fact that they like hide it, and it's really just her being able to like at the end of this issue, all we did was eliminate one of the one of the turtles. It's not. I disagree. Hmm. Although she does directly pre- two balloons previous say, "You really had me worried, comma, Mister," which is the normal way that you would write that. So I went into it thinking that it was Michelangelo because I didn't think we were going to read this book, and I didn't think I would I would read it. So I saw an article that was like, here's what, here's who it is. And I read that. So I just, the whole time I was like, well, oh, I think it's Michelangelo. Also, because everyone was so like, oh, I wonder who it's going to be. And through the process of elimination of who would be the most interesting character to be the last dark, gritty turtle of, around would be, to me, Michelangelo, who's always been the more lighthearted of the bunch. Um, so when, when, it, when it was like Michelangelo, I was like, yeah, of course it's Michelangelo. If this was Raphael... Well, it would just be more Raphael doing Raphael. Like, this is exactly who Raphael used to be. So, um, same thing with, like, um, Donatello or um, Leonardo. None of those would be, sh- I don't want to say shocking, but, like, an interesting turn. Like, any any of those characters could become this character. But the fact that Michelangelo was always sort of a little bit more goofy, slightly, um, I was like, oh, okay, it's probably Mike, because that would be, like, the strangest one to make dark and gritty. <laughs> Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah. So I uh, I really liked it. I never read any of the comics. I don't know that I've ever read a Ninja Turtles comic before, maybe long ago. Um, but I, of course, I loved the uh, the cartoon, and I was right in the in the demographic for that. Um, yeah, I know. That's yeah. how you write the other one too. Sorry. No. No. Um, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see his comic. But. Uh, yeah, there wasn't anything. There was there was it wasn't anything original in this, but I really liked it. You know, like it was a it was a dystopian future story in the mold of the things that you guys mentioned. I hadn't made the Blade Runner comparison, but it's very apt. Um, I liked the scene with the weapons and the you know he lays down the four colored masks. Although that is not what they were in comics continuity, right? Weren't they all red? Um, the original designs were all red, okay. but then the comics themselves were. Um, just black and white. So yeah, the black and white. Cartoon. So yeah. I think okay. I think the co- I think the colored mask was a new cartoon invention. Mm-hmm. Well, no, on the yeah. on the covers of the turtle, the original turtle comics, the covers were were they were red, right? Yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Inside were thirty five years ago. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Co- so, I remember yeah. thinking, oh, it's weird. Why are all their masks red? Doesn't uh, yeah, that struck me as strange too because I was first exposed with the cartoon. Uh, doesn't Raphael turn bad, or at least becomes the leader of the Foot Clan at one time in there? But who knows how much of this continuity is picked yeah. up on in there. And also, this is Casey Jones's uh, daughter or granddaughter, yeah, right? Yeah, they, they call her Jones. So I was yeah. like, oh, is it Casey Jones's like, granddaughter yeah. or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but, yeah well, in, in current continuity, uh, Casey Jones is the leader or one of the leaders of like the Purple Dragons gang that has a faction of New York. So they, they were wearing purple, weren't they? Yeah. Well, or at least she was, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but I like I like the uh, the Sarah Connor, April O'Neil here. Yeah. yeah, hell yeah. That's super yeah. Linda Hamilton. Yeah. But um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I responded. Um, Brandon commented. There's always a comma though. That's how questions are asked. LOL. Yeah, I know. It's also how the other way is asked. Right. And the fact that it's it's highlighted with italicies Michelangelo, it's her asking a question of the person in front of her and or asking the person in front of her a question. It's yeah. not clear. Well, I, I two of us read it one way, two saying, of us read it the other way. Yeah. I think it was a response to you saying, read, as if people were reading it the wrong way, even though that's it applies to both of those versions. <sighs> <laughs> we shall see, though. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I like but either I way. Like it's unclear. It's unclear like either it. way. Yeah, I like the idea that it could go either way. Hmm. If it is, you know what though? If it is Michelangelo, I'm, they better do the legwork and telling me how he got this way. Because hmm. if there's absolutely no hint of the characterization from before, show me. Don't hmm. just tell me like he's greedy now. Oh, I mean, I would assume having all of your brothers murdered. Yeah. And then society I, becoming a dystopian overlord. Show, kind of thing. Again, show, don't tell. Sure, for sure. I know that's how it is on paper. Show me the transformation of his character into somebody that's willing to take their own life out of dishonor. Mm. Show me that. Mm. Yeah. I'll read that. Because of all the characters, that's the largest leap. Mm -hmm. So I want to see that, uh, you know, paint the dots. Don't just say, oh, duh, it's because of this. Like, <laughs> that's not enough. That's not enough for a movie. That's not enough for a book. Like, you need to show us. How the 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 progression. <laughs> it says literally, uh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to Ten of Swords, Stasis Number One, which is part eleven of the Ten of Swords saga uh, from Marvel Comics. Teeny Howard and John Hickman, with art by Pepe La Raz and Mahmoud Asrar. X of Swords, Part Eleven: A Ritual, A Parliament, A Game Begins. Uh, wasn't the game hasn't begun yet? <laughs> it's eleven parts so far. <laughs> that was the prelude to the game. So it was, uh, it was nine chapters, <laughs> uh, nine chapters of the good guys finding their swords, and now one issue of all the bad guys being introduced and finding their swords. No. I think, I think yeah. Noel, the the last time we reviewed the first book, and I think Noel told me I said I. That's a that's a long road to hoe, you know, all those issues. And Noel said something to the effect of, well, all you got to do is dip into these primer ones and see yeah. if you probably <laughs> miss a thing. And I feel like it was prescient because after reading this, I don't feel like I missed anything. I feel like the last book yeah. immediately goes into this one. So, uh, Agreed. So I'm fine only... with me. Yeah, and anything... that was not an endorsement, right? Just to be clear. <laughs> anything that's happened in between... I've only read um, X-Men proper mm. by Hickman, and that, which has only been one issue, I believe, between Chapter 1 and mm. Chapter 11 now. I'm fine. Mm. Yeah. I, it's I'm literally been... anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, JD, you didn't have a chance to read this issue, right? No. Or, not only have I not had a chance to read this issue, I have not had a chance to read any of the Ten of Swords since Part 2. Yeah, I mean, the, you're in the same boat as me. Like, I don't even think I read Part 2. I just read, like, Part 6 or whatever the hell X-Men number 13 was. It's we read one Everyone's just for looking show? for swords. Yeah. That's it. It is. And all the, all the good guys now have theirs. Hmm. That's it. 
I thought it was so tedious. Oh, sorry. Yes. What is that? This issue was crap, even by Ten of Swords standards. Also, who got the last three swords? Apocalypse and some guy with two swords? I don't know. How does he get two swords? That's the main question. (laughs) I don't know. Um, There there is a major reveal at the end of this, but it's a major reveal based off of a character we just met. So, cool. Right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That we already kind of knew she was with them right it, or we it, didn't it know was, so <laughs> yes and no apocalypse's wife forever ago on yeah. Araco. yeah um who he had the four kids with the original four horsemen oh, which i guess is what he a calls his children his horsemen yeah i look <laughs> yeah it's his these it's are his my horsemen. Language. The horsemen of apocalypse. i'm about to have my yeah. first son and I'm, I'm calling him my horsemen your first horseman. you should well <laughs> first i mean <laughs> it, is it war death or pestilence those are my those are my favorites like hey war <laughs> we'll figure out when he comes out and if there's any pestilence. Yeah, ah, that way you can always tell. Um, so uh, he left to save, or you know what? It's all fuzzy. Either way, he thought she was dead. Yeah, and now oh. it's revealed that she's the 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 girl and the woman in the mask that's kind of the leader of the bad guys. We don't know why, we don't know how, but she's not dead. She's a bad guy, and he's all shocked, like what? Which so like, was already the surprise with his kids. Not exactly the most jaw-dropping of reveals <laughs> when we get to the end of this book, you know? Yeah, I mean, he he knew his... I think he knew his kids were alive past Otherworld. He just didn't know she was. No, that they were bad. I remember he was surprised to learn that they would stab him oh, through they the be- chest. Yeah. 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 Also, there was a tedious... I mean, in the whole the whole book was tedious. I do not care about them getting these swords. They're all... It's such a setup of, like... We need these things. This will be the story. We'll get the things, and then we'll come back and fight each other in a I don't have it over here. in an arena, you know, like a planned thing. And then there was that scene in the I don't know council chambers or whatever where they're voting on whether or not like has it not already been decided that you're going to fight over this? And yeah, you just I mean you get through the whole thing, and I'm like, ugh, such a slog. <laughs> yeah, I mean the first the first ten pages was just inviting people. Can you get to the the thing about the swords because that was actually my favorite part of this book. The, the interstitial thing? Quick, flipping through this? Yeah. This art, man. It's, it's beautiful. So good. Yeah. It's a good looking book. Page t- page 27. I don't see page numbers. Um, oh. So there's an interstitial that kind of gives you a grid of all the all ten swords. This. The, the Blades of Araco. There it is. Araco. Um, couple th- a couple of things that I really dug about this. Um, it gives me stats, which with a book like this, I kind of I enjoy. Uh, but then also it um, it's for the first time in, in however long or the only the first time that I've realized that all of these swords on Araco are actually mirror images of the ones. Uh, oh, that's cool. In Earth mm. or Krakoa warriors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got that big wide blade of um, of Good. cables. And this this also kind of visually t- shows you who's going to be fighting who. Which I thought was pretty cool. It's a good point. Because they probably will go up against Yeah, because each other. Yeah. Yeah, that big alligator dude, Pog, Pog or whatever, is um, oh, yeah. got a scabbard. And that's what Apocalypse has. So you know that they're going to face off each other. Right. Like it's it's um it was a really good bit of, of visual storytelling, even though there's tons of words on this page. But but it didn't it didn't draw the direct lines. It just kind mm. of showed, which I thought was pretty. I thought that, that was cool. Pretty- I usually try to read Jonathan Hickman's interstitials, even though about 50% of the time I don't want to. 
but I try to. But these, when these and the prophecies earlier, I was like, no, nah. I'm, I'm getting through this book. It's the last one that I have to read this week before the show, and I also need to shower this morning. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's um of all the of all the Hickman stuff that I'm reading right now, this is the most of a slog. Like I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying the hell out of decorum. Oh yeah. I'm in, I, I just started um, East of West, hmm. but this is like, cool, cool, cool. Get to the actual story. It's just been, it's just been so much set up. I'm Even like, the actual story is one go. of the, like, I am never historically in my interest. I'm never that interested in like turn stories about tournaments or uh, this is not exactly a sport, but, you know, that kind of thing is just usually doesn't interest me. So I'm not even interested in the what they're getting to. Yeah. What do you think, Pink? Uh I agree. I, I uh, Stories about tournaments or, mm-hmm. you know, head-to-head conflict, I just don't, most of the time, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love the first issue because of the way it felt. And it's hard to articulate something like that. I just love the way it... F- I love the possibilities it seemed to introduce. Mm-hmm. I love the world. I love the art. Um, with this one, I just... It just kind of tread water. I don't know. I just wasn't really feeling it like I did the first issue. I didn't hate it like you guys did. I just kind of <laughs> was left left neutral to it, I guess. Like, all right. I, I'm, I'm I don't patient know. now. You know, I'm getting yeah, that first. Let's get to something. <laughs> that first issue was was interesting because it was I don't know you know what I, I think just alone I liked that first issue but knowing or or having the suspicion or fear that the subsequent 18 out of 22 uh, corresponding chapters would be light mm. I I didn't let myself get excited about it mm. so it was like man yeah. all right cool sounds great. Sounds great. I'll I'll find out in trade. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. Will you though? Do you intend to find out in trade now? <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I need Captain, more. Or not Captain. Sorry. Uh, no, uh, just a real quick. The Brian Braddock's new costume is cool. I dig it. I'm not 100 percent sure. I think he's like working for Avalon now, but it, you know he's got to have something to do because Betsy's Captain Britain, so it's cool. The cards were cute. The tarot yeah. cards were cute. I have a feeling I'm going to enjoy this. Um, in trade paperback form, or like as mm. a, there's a big hardcover coming out that's already been solicited. And I think it, I think it's a hundred friggin' dollars. Oof. So that's like in this bus, economy. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just I, I, the that's, that's the kind of that's the kind like um, people ask me like you know how how do you do all the books and stuff? It's like, I, I mean, that's, that, that might be a purchase a year or two from now when somebody wants to just trade or mm. make room on their shelf. I don't mm. know about a hundred dollars for this. Yeah. God, this art is gorgeous. Oh, mm-hmm. I'd rather spend a hundred dollars on a run that I really enjoy. Right. You've got me like second guessing. For the first time. You got Go me second guessing myself on the last issue and this issue. Like how much of it did I love? Maybe the art is so amazing, uh, it's kind of making oh. me mm. not take a critical yeah. look at what the left hand is doing because the right hand art is so well done. You know? But sometimes sometimes that's totally okay. Like, it's mm. a visual medium. If you're just going to wow me, that's spectacular. And somebody mm. like um, um, Pepe Larraz and R.B. Silva, who have been kind of the, the prime visual storytellers for this, you know, mm. grand run of, of X-Men, 
I mean, if you're going to just distract me with pretty, that's a damn good way to do it. Also, anytime uh, you're enjoying something, it's good. You know what I mean? Like, even yeah. if, if that's the and, reason. Yeah. And honestly, like, it's just my jaded read of it. The fact that I knew this this was going to be 22 chapters across mm. seven other books uh, and, and how those events usually go. I was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to read Hellions number seven, which is going to give me chapter four <laughs> of 22. Like, yeah. it just... It, it turned me off before it even started, which is completely yeah. unfair and my problem. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little oh. too. I remember when we read the first one. And it was like 22 parts <laughs> before I even Brandon opened says, it. I think it ends up being a bit cheaper than the single issues, though. Hmm. Oh, that's good. Oh. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, okay, yeah. Three ninety nine times 22 is... Some of them are four ninety nine actually, because like this yeah, was an yeah. oversized issue, so it's four ninety nine. If yeah. anything, with tax, it's maybe fifteen dollars cheaper to get the oversized hardcover in January. But yeah. you know, whatever. I, it, but you've already if, got some of the, the people like Brandon who is enjoying all of the X Men books. Hmm. This is fucking popcorn and candy and everything that's wonderful in your life, and go for it. Hmm. For people like me who just wants to kind of like stick with my corner and then just know what's happening, it's five extra issues of awesome with 17 issues of, okay, sure, let's go. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's just it's just the kind of reader you might be. Not bad or good. So, we haven't discussed, but I read a book called The One You Feed by Donnie Cates. Hmm. I read it. How was it? Ah. I read it too. Oh, I don't I have any, it's not in my notes, it's not anywhere, but we could talk about the one you feed from panelsyndicate.com. So if anybody is unaware, I'm sure many people are unaware, panelsyndicate.com is a website that I'm not sure if it's entirely owned by Brian K. Vaughn, but the big name that, I was, that was first attached to it was BKV, and he would put out um, pay what you want issues that you download the digital version onto your computer or your tablet and you read it that way you can pay a dollar you can pay a nickel you can pay you know 3.99 if you're a you know a good person um and uh you can read the issues um and so they've got they started doing new teams uh, of other like what, what was a barrier was in there from BKV and Marcos Martin, as well as Private Eye, which is a big hardcover now. The only way you can get it is a big hardcover. Or you can go into their website and order it for whatever you want. So uh, then there was another one, Friday. Was that Brubaker, Noel? Yeah, it's Brubaker and Marcos Martin. There was also, yeah. there's also, um, you know what, I've got the... Well, he's left us. Um, so, yeah, so anyway, the new one is by Donnie Cates, who is one of my favorite current writers. And I was really curious to see what this was going to be. Um, and I think... Where is it Black Hand oh, and Ironheart? That? Oh, that's Black all Hand and Ironhead? Yeah. Nice. Oh, um, and uh, Alex DeCampi is uh, Bad Karma. It's maybe like six or seven books that come out when they're done. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this one uh, I, I really enjoyed. I thought this was really cool. And... Um, I was, you know, I stopped reading a couple pages in because I liked the idea that started it off so much that I turned to my wife who was next to me. She was catching up on Saga. She's reading the Saga um, compendiums. So she just finished the third one and she's all caught up. And I said, wow, look at the, the idea for this book. 
and I said, there's, you know, uh, one night, everyone, the, the moon goes down, and everyone in the world turns into monsters, they ravage each other, they wake up, they're back to normal humans, and every night this happens. Isn't that, what a neat idea for a book. And then I kept reading, and it was like, oh, 100 years after that, 150 years after that, 350 years after that is now the time that this book is taking place. So that was only the preamble to get us to the current state where the world that keeps happening all over the world, but through perseverance, humanity finally builds a giant city with huge walls and they're able to um, keep a, uh, a, an artificial sun on all the time so that the sun never goes down. Everyone can stay human. There's, it's kind of a kingdom. There's a king. He's got a son. The son has to become the new king. So he has to leave the, leave the city, the city walls, and go out to where darkness exists. And that's kind of where our story starts. So not only was there a big, cool idea, but then it was like, oh, no, that's not even, we're not even started yet. <laughs> now yeah, we're going to go 350 years and see where that takes us. Hmm. One of the cool things that you that you you didn't mention in that very wonderful uh, overview summation. was, yeah. yeah, sure, yeah, summation, yeah, that's the word. Um, was that not everyone turns? It's it's a kind of um, it's a it's a very literal uh, good wolf bad, bad wolf kind of thing. Like the inside of you either makes you turn or not. So those first hundred years or so, there were people that weren't turning being ravaged by the people that were turning. So it's this larger metaphor of, mm. of, uh, you know, apathy and, and fear and anger overtaking large swaths of the population, just like dwindling down everybody that wasn't turning or the good. So you've got this, this, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years later, this idea of a rite of passage for nobility, uh, and, and, and royalty is to go, uh, spend a night out there, and find out if you're a good wolf or a bad wolf, and if you survive. Hmm. So, like, this there, this is as close to YA as Donny Cates has ever written, and I loved it. I, I read that differently, Noel. You might be right that uh, only some people turn. I read it as everyone turns, and the good wolves are still wolves, but they either... Let's see. Um, the moon rose, and the entire world changed into monsters. And we all learned most people are bad wolves. And the good wolves, well, they either die or they turn bad to survive. So I didn't take uh. that as the good wolves don't turn. It was the entire world changes overnight. Um, and then uh, the good wolves die off because they're being eaten up by the bad wolves. But you, I'm not sure. That's not 100%. Uh, I'm not sure either, but I, I lean towards my interpretation, though, because towards the end we find out that the boy who understands he's good inside yeah. doesn't turn. Yeah, that's, uh, so that's, I, that's the cliffhanger yeah. at the end is he's surrounded by all these wolves. He's afraid he's going to turn into this monster. But then the bad news is he doesn't turn into a monster and he's surrounded <laughs> yeah, well, by monsters. I, like, again, I'll, I'll uh, not push back, but like he, his father is telling, is, his father in a way was preparing him for if you turn, when you turn, you're going to turn, it's fine. He keeps remembering his mother like, you're not going to turn. You're not going to be one of the ones that turn. You're a good wolf. You're a good wolf. You feed your good wolf. So he cries as the sun goes down because he realizes he's he realizes how un, unprepared, unprepared he will be because he's not going to turn. He's just going to be a boy in a world of of monstrosities, which I thought wow. was awesome. 
Yeah, I took that as the cliffhanger surprise of like, oh, this kid doesn't turn. But all right. This was oh, good. Did anyone else read it besides me and Noel? Pink. I just I re- read the beginning. Yeah, I read it. Oh, go ahead, Pink. Um, I don't know how to... It was cute. It was fine. <laughs> I mean, cute's the right word. I think that's what he's going for. Yeah. I don't... Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's... it's. I, I think I'm, I, I kind of gave that assessment on a book last time where it's like, the art's great for the story that it's telling... It's it's a great book, but it's more like a kind of a tween book. I just don't see myself mm-hmm. following it, you know. But it's great for what it is, yeah. I think this is squarely in YA, for yeah. like yeah, absolutely. Mm. I would I, hardly this... recommend it for YA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say hardly or heartily? The art's pretty cool. It seems to oh, fit the story very. I just read the first few pages while you guys were giving the synopsis. That was pretty cool, but the art, you know, the designs and the and the style of the art seem to fit it really well. It's uh, yeah, it, Dylan yeah. Burnett's art is great. Great, great, great art. I'm sorry, Pink. I just wanted to double check. Did you say you heartily recommended for YA, or you would hardly recommend? <laughs> I would heartily recommend it for YA. Yes, it's it's not so, something that speaks to me personally, but I would yeah. definitely. This is something that I would recommend for. YA somebody YA you're trying to get into comics yeah yeah this so I'm I'm reading uh, I know I think we talked about the first issue uh, roughly five months ago of uh, Wind by James Tinian the fourth uh, which is a like YA series yes. um, that is very even though there's like like large themes of uh, racism bigotry. Uh, magic is get, people get murdered and terrible things happen. The tone of it is so very um, childish. Uh, so, like the, the the presentation and the tone of it is is very YA. This is for me. It's much more. Um, it works more because the tone of it is not. I'm telling you a children's story with with heavy themes. I'm telling you a story with heavy themes. And the primary audience or the primary protagonist is is a young child. Hmm. So there's like a there's just a little bit of a it's like twenty percent more mature story, even though the audience level is meant to be maybe thirteen, fourteen. Hmm. So like this would be if this was an animated movie, this would have been one of those ones that like parents and kids can enjoy, as opposed to just that's for kids. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I really enjoyed this. And it was uh this was a surprise drop Wednesday afternoon. Um, it was just like, oh, by the way, the first issue of a free comic book or pay what you want is over on Panel Syndicate. You guys should enjoy, which was really cool. Yeah. Is that how they do things at Panel Syndicate? Like, do they do like an unannounced kind of stuff? Usually, yeah. yeah. Cool. There's no, there's no real set schedule. Last, this is the first time. Like, what last week we did uh, Friday issue number two mm-hmm. that dropped last week, and then yeah. this magically dropped this week, and I did pay for them. Mm. And when they're collected, I will probably pay for them. Um, what they've been got doing an interesting. With what's that? Oh, just uh, Panel Syndicate's got a cool um, kind of uh, offering. You know, they. I have only read two issues of Friday and a little bit of this one, but I've seen the other stuff that they have, and they are, like have a an interesting kind of uh, feel to Panel Syndicate, um, or just that they are supplying uh, uh, what look to be high quality stuff. I. I, if if I was going to say Panel Syndicate had a feel, mm-hmm. it's the fact that there is no cohesion. 
Hmm. All of these stories, like, yeah, the first two or three were from Brian K. Vaughn because he was really the only writer that was kind of, like, churning out stuff for it. Mm-hmm. But there's no, like, through line for the, the line of books. You've got one about soldiers with PTSD. You've got one mm-hmm. about a kid with a big knife fighting potentially werewolves. You've got one about uh, adult versions of yeah, yeah. Nancy Drew novels. You've got one about the border of Canada being weaponized. Like they're, they're all wildly different books. I, I would say um, that the, the feel that I, that I sense is more, not so much like that the books are similar as these are all um, intriguing first issues of things that, like I, we read the PTSD one that wasn't up my alley, but it was really well done. Um, mm-hmm. And they are. Uh, it's not always so easy to create something that is just like good content from issue number one that seems to have like a, a different kind of story or a, a worthwhile kind of story. You know what I mean? Like they mm-hmm. uh, kind of just each thing they turn out seems to be, um, you know, pretty vetted or or just good. Pink, have you read any of this stuff from Panel Syndicate? No. Pipe. Oh, okay. It's uh, it's cool. It's it looks like there's something for a lot of different, a lot of different <laughs> audiences. It kind of reminds me a bit of TKO, just in that like here's an interesting independent publisher that's got you know if you're looking for something different, those would be two good places to to check out. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I wish, I wish there was a word that I could use to describe like styles of art. I just it's hard to explain how. Like, what would you call some forms of art like this or similar to this, at least, where it's like, God, I don't want to say, like, cartoon or anime. It's hard to describe, like, the faces and everything. Yeah. <clears throat> it's it's um it's not realistic, or it's proportionate to humans, but it's not realism. Um, there's a heavy line, so it it does lend more to, like, a, an animation feel. And by heavy line, I mean, yeah. the, like, no cross-hatching. Mm-hmm. Um, the coloring is very... It's um, bright. It is, yeah, it's brightly Vibrant, colored. It, I guess, yeah. So, like, some people would consider somebody like maybe Darwin Cook having, like, a cartoonish feel, but it really is the fact that he just has straight heavy lines yeah. and uses primary colors as a palette. So it feels cartoony, even though he's telling, like, harsh-ass stories sometimes. I want to stress <clears throat> to anybody that may hear this that, that they should check this book out. It's, 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 it's really well done. I just... <clears throat> I personally... Uh, respond much more deeply to the like the art in the three jokers issue we just read like that mm. style of art is very me that's that's what i'm really mm. into this sucks me right in this is beautiful and everything the story's great i just there's always going to be a like a sort of detachment from me with things that utilize that style you know my de- so i have a detachment like that when it comes to hyper photorealistic stuff mm. so i think that somebody like alex ross um is static Mm. like there's it just looks like people posing which to me doesn't show dynamism from panel to panel Mm -hmm. which comics need to have so when a book is like that where it's just like painted Mm. i have trouble no matter how great it is i have trouble really like finding a foothold because it's just i'm looking at a photo album i'm not looking at Mm. at a comic right um there was like most famously for me reading through the entirety of the Lucifer, like, Omnibus uh, Volume yes. 1, yeah. getting, like, three-fourths through it at rapid pace, enjoying Peter Gross' art and Dean Ormston, or- Ormston yeah. um, 
And then all of a sudden there's this one double sized painted issue that threw me off because it was, it had nothing to do with the main story. It was a slog to get through. It was like 70 pages long and it was just painted pictures of grotesque things in, (laughs) in, in like montage of each other. I was like, I, this is not like nothing kills momentum more than static images, no matter how beautiful they might be. So having like a specific art style that, that um turns you off or mm-hmm. makes you consider something of a different theme is so normal and i actually I have it too for uh department of truth that style of art yeah like uh, i now, i'm art, but i like it for department of truth was that the yes um that style of art i'm i'm okay with but it's really mm. got to work with the story and the story's really got to do the heavy lifting <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah yeah so like um a really good example of of the of that art style sometimes not working for me is like if you read through if you've ever read through um bendis's daredevil run like it's Maleev and it's this and and some uh casada does a couple issues here and there and then all of a sudden there's a david mack issue mm-hmm. and it's just watercolors painted and prose on the outside of it uh-huh. and it's just like yeah this is beautiful yeah but i have no idea what the hell is going on <laughs> it's not unlike martin simmons stuff where it's just almost like collages and watercolors and and when it comes to like you know going through and then you hit with that it's like oh okay um yeah all right the mo- no matter how great this is yeah. The more it strays into really stylistic stuff, the the the, the steeper the hill it's got to go. Yeah. With me. So the mm. the last time the last time I was struck by really stylistic artwork that I really loved that really worked for me and I looked forward to was whoever the artist was, uh, Matt Faction's Hawkeye. Mm. Aja. Aja going a little ways back. I really mm. like that. I dug yeah. that. That's outside my comfort zone, but I really loved it. I embraced it. So. It's right there. Yeah, it's right there. It's so I can good. touch it. Um, so Christopher Saint Saucy Goodnight actually mentions: Did you say that this will eventually be traded, or this will trade eventually? I think he's referring to the one you feed. Um, all so far, all of the Panel Syndicate books have eventually been traded mm-hmm. in hardcover in a one format or the other. However. There's no schedule as to when it gets done. There's no specific number of issues that are available or however many they will be. So if you're waiting for a trade for these panel syndicate books, it could be five years. It could be six months. Um, The interesting thing, though, is that the first one, Private Eye, only came out as a hardcover. You could read it digitally on their website, pay as you want. But when they printed it, it it's a nice oversized hardcover. It's $50. Which I think is a lot to ask for uh, a, a hardcover sight unseen, right? Because it comes shrink wrapped. But um, good. No, good. Oh, but it was great. What yeah. I read of it was great. Uh, then they did Barrier, the same team, BKV and Marcos Martin, and he said, "You know what? I want people to have to go into comic book stores to get this book." So it's not going to be a hardcover collection. I am going to print it in oversized widescreen issues and then once you have all those you can get we're gonna send you a um a slip case to put those issues in then you can put it on your shelf so he very specifically wanted people to go to comic shops to get that book barrier this which was great he kept it in print for a very long time it is now out of print 
Uh, so people keep asking me for it, and I'm like, well, it's out of print. So, I mean, they could read it digitally, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think I. Gross. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, this Black Hand and Ironhead, which I have not had a chance to read yet by David Lopez, is the first one that's been kind of collected that's not crazy expensive or available everywhere i don't i've never seen it in bookstores it's a it's a weird i think this is only direct market market? also yeah what's the price so they're doing their uh 24.99 ah perfect that's good yeah great yeah so they're doing they're doing their best to not galvanize the direct market Mm. because they're like the the product itself is digital first but they're including direct market as much as possible. These are all comic fans. All these Very people. Cool. Hmm. I love it. But uh, anything else before we get out of here, so I can go run my shop? <clears throat> oh, you know what? I do. I want to. I do want to say a quick thank you to Jeff Kanata of the Slash Filmcast. Yeah. And the Totally Rad Show. So, if you'll, you'll indulge me for just a second, a little bit of a story. Noel got married. Noel got married a couple days ago, and uh, Jeff Kanata. On the Slash Filmcast, every time they review a movie and they, they throw it to Jeff to review the movie, he goes, well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts in this film could best be summed up in the form of a limerick. And so um, every episode he does a limerick review of whatever the movie is. And he has also put himself on Cameo.com. So if you want a Jeff Kanata limerick, he will write one specifically for you. So I reached out to Jeff told him what the situation was i'm officiating noel's wedding we're both big fans and um it would be great if i could have a limerick to read as part of the the nuptials so um so he sent us one and it was fantastic oh i'm not gonna play it it's just that's the video yeah there he is Um, cool so yeah we have to make a response video for it to send back we gotta think of something yeah yeah but uh highly recommend it if, if you want to get a limerick for a special occasion, hit up, uh, I think it's um, cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. And it wasn't, it wasn't just a limerick. It was a, it was a wonderful, like, three-minute message of, of, uh, about us. He looked up the channel. He said he watched a couple of them and just was... Uh, he watched, our, he watched this show? show? He watched our show? Yeah. yeah oh, he was just cool. like, I, I, JD told me you guys do this thing. I watched a couple yeah. episodes. Great job, guys. Just like it was... Nice. It was um, it was very funny. It was very cute. Yeah. It was a damn good idea. And thank you, JD. I've watched it like five or six times. Cool. It's it's weird though. So like we, it, with with the way that <laughs> with the way that like media is so like hyper focused. Like we get so nerdy or geeky or fanny about very specific cliche, like niche people, mm-hmm. right? Um, so anyone in my waking, most people in my waking life don't know who the hell Jeff Kanata right. is because you have to like really be very specific. Right. So my wife. My wife. I call her my wife now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, My wife. um, Did you say that's the first uh, time you said it? I guess so. Like in conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, She. uh, She didn't. She just knew how excited we were about, or I was about it. Right. She didn't know, but she wasn't aware that a lot of like uh, little things that. Kanata and and David Chen and stuff on the Slash Filmcast do like like say baby in a certain way like baby <laughs> but um we've been doing that around the house so the other day she <laughs> she was just like oh we're out of cheese B- 
baby, and then walked away. And I was just like, that's Jeff Kanata. <laughs> you know what we did? Like, and then it just like clicked for her. Like, oh, like, it, it was um, awesome. It was a great gift. It was a really, really great idea. Thank you. I'm trying to remember. I was I was looking forward to see if I could read it. Um, the 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 limerick. I want to say it's. Thank you for being here with us. True love is what we will discuss. By the power invested in me, no requested to pronounce him man and omnibus. Because <laughs> Noel has all those omnibuses. <laughs> and Sam likes to make fun of him for having all of his omnibuses. So Cool. Yeah, it was really cute. Well so written. Yeah. I, I will say, like JD did. So he read it to us during the um, during the rehearsal. rehearsal. Like it wasn't mm. it wasn't in the actual mm. uh, event. I, listen, I was gonna have it as part of the actual wedding, and I could not figure out for the life of me how to marry Noel to his omnibuses and then also <laughs> marry him to his wife. So, so you very wisely, very wisely decided to do it during the the run through, mm. and I. There's a lot of emotions and weird stuff happening and like people not paying attention and you're just trying to like get through it and you read it to us and I start laughing and the first thing that came out of my mouth was, I hate it. Because I, I thought it was it. I thought it was hilarious and, I, and then you were like, no, no, that was actually from Jeff Kanata. And then I started laughing even more and you were explaining it to me and Sam was just like, it's funny, but is that real? And I, I grabbed her by the arms and I was like, that was just for me. Yeah. <laughs> and then she like sighed and was just like, oh, okay. Oh, that's, that's and then perfect. Her, that's mother, her mother comes up to me afterwards and goes, you mean you're really, you're going to marry him to my daughter, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she that's seemed not, concerned. That's not really what you're going to say, is it? Right. That's not really. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she was a little concerned. Yeah. Anyway. That hey, is great. Brian. Yes. Does these guys' bromance warm your heart like it does mine? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's warmed every Sunday. <laughs> well, I mean, JD married us. I mean, you're intrinsically involved in my life for the rest of, of it at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. Thank cool. you for joining us, Pink. It was great having you on again. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Um, and, oh, Noel, Mr. Bartocci at Twitter, and Brian, BrianLeeb.com. Pink doesn't have any social mediums. So, so no, I'm going to be streaming soon, but not now. Yeah. Ah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Hit us Let up. us know Let's when. Know. I mean, yeah. I am. I am already, but it's like test out stuff. I don't want anybody seeing mm. it right now. So okay. I accidentally got a handful of followers streams. already. I accidentally got some followers that I did nice. not intend to or want. <laughs> um, so you hear right, that? Guys. If you're following... You're not welcome. She doesn't want to <laughs> I don't want any club that would have me as a member. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, check out the Thunder Rounds on our YouTube video. Like, subscribe, do all that BS. We love you. We will talk at you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.